Discussion Podcast proudly presents the Raylo Special, hosted by Jared Bachman Stubbs. Part two! And welcome, everyone, to episode 51 of the Dubak Discussion Podcast. I am your host, Jared, the Dark Jedi, and we are here with Raylo, part two, Electric Boogaloo, and I am joined by Girls with Sabres. Say hello there, guys. Hello, hello there, guys. <laughs> You took that very literally. Um, sure did. Yeah. <laughs> as I'm sure uh, most people who follow myself and do back discussion on all the social medias and such saw, um, there was a little bit of the snafu with the first run we did of this uh, little sit down. Uh, the file corrupted, and I was very, 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 very frustrated with that. Um, but uh, luckily, Girls with Sabres, uh, being the gracious bunch that they are, was uh, very forgiving of such and agreed to come back on to take another. I have TJ's masterful audio touch to make sure no shenanigans happen this time. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves and get into the uh, weeds of your credentials and what you guys cover on your YouTube channel. Ooh, weeds is an appropriate word. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, thick, thick weeds. First? Do you want to go first, Luthien? Or? Sure. Okay. Um, I am Luthien. And credentials, I have background in music and literature and English and dabbled in a little bit of psychology. Um, music is very much key. Uh, I do all the narration for at least I do narration now for the beginning. It was both me and Emrys. Um, but now I do narration. I also edit the scripts for our video essays as well as do research. You can call me a script surgeon. Emrys <laughs> does all the writing. Um, I like that. Yeah, script, script surgeon. surgeon. Yes. She's this Emerus is the script architect and I am the script surgeon. I'm the sculptor. Yes. The script script sculptor. sculptor. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. That's yeah. awesome. Take yes. it away, Emerus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Emerus. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, I have a background in literature, art, theater. Um, drama, psychology, 
and music as well, but not as much as Luthien. I also have a background in multimedia production and uh, editing. So I do the video editing as well as the script writing, as she says, and we just seem to work effortlessly together. So that's why we call ourselves the Raylo Twins, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we really do just have just um, a nice flow in working together and, and getting content out there. And I have a background in theater and drama, but not as much as Emrys. So we just balance each other out. Yeah. Perfectly balanced. Sorry, my cat's going apeshit. Milo (laughs) Milo loves to be on air with us. He can't get enough. No, no. But yeah, uh, you guys, your your channel is excellent. Um, I said this before and I'll say it on this take as well. I had seen a couple of your videos in passing, really had enjoyed them. Um, they kind of came up as that like, this video I was like, oh, that was really cool. And I saw you guys quite a few times. Um, and then I, your, the male Raylo's video popped up in my recommended feed and I saved it to my watch later. And then Royal Farm Boy tweeted at me and I was like, <laughs> I have my orders. And I was like, love okay. that guy. Oh, yeah. Such a sweetheart. I love yep. Um, and I sat down and I watched the video and I was like, oh, I need to have them on my show because I need to do a Raylo sequel now. Um, Yay! And did so and then made a point of binging like 90% of the content on your channel. Thank you. Uh, and have enjoyed every bit of it. I loved your latest video that you put out. Um, I really enjoyed that. And uh Yeah. The last Raylo deep dive uh, debate that I had with uh, Spencer, um, it was very Kylo Ren heavy, mm-hmm. and it was very much focused on the greater themes and a whole lot on a lot of the the Skywalker legacy side of things. Yes. and I think I think that was very. It had a lot to do with the fact that I just cannot get enough of Kylo Ren. Oh um, yeah, it's it's a disease. Most people can't April. get a get enough of him no no and i i I feel like part of me still has that like force awakens like i need to defend him because i don't think people get his character i Mm -hmm. agree like leading out of that so we didn't get to talk about ray as much as i would have liked to um in my opinion to that episode's detriment however you guys have covered both uh kylo ren and ray excellently and i want to dive in really hard on who who he is and how she factors into the radio equation. Because um, I, th- I think you guys hit all of that on the nail incredibly brilliantly and explaining who she is and how everything affects her and her her place in all this um, shakes out. So I guys, the floor. Well, first think- of all, thank you. <laughs> yes. And very, that's very that's well. it. Go on. <laughs> 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 Start or not? Um, no. <laughs> I think the important thing to know is that you're seeing the movie, all of the the last two movies, through Ray's eyes, and so I can see why 
some people just see Kylo Ren as a villain and as a monster because in Ray's eyes, that's how he is. And it's only halfway through the last Jedi that she's starting to see that he's not one, that he has a history and a story very much like her own one of abandonment, one of neglect, one of, dare we say, abuse. So there is, um, there is a deep connection between the two, not just because of uh, physical chemistry, but because of um, an emotional connection between the two. Um, and it's not codependency. It is, um, it is intimacy and shared suffering and also shared powers. Like that's another amount of suffering is both of them have this raw power power that Luke said he has never seen before. And there is a burden to that power, but there's also a glory to it. And so they're, they're, um, they understand each other on a level that most people don't. I love what Jason Fry said in a interview on what the force and what he said was these two have an intimacy that we don't even understand here on earth. Um, these people have literally been in each other's minds. They have literally felt what the other two has felt. They have seen each other's deepest fears, um, each other's passions, each other's histories, all of that. I mean, people just make fun of the interrogation scene and that Ray quote unquote downloaded his powers. Um, I think that is so belittled the fact that these two were bridged their minds. Well, they also bridged themselves. Like they are um, bonded in a, in a, I'm trying to think of the word. I want to say astrological, but that's not the word. Just like, cosmic, you know, cosmic yeah. way. Thank you. Thank cosmic you. Force, yeah. Thank you. I was mm-hmm. having a hard time. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Ray is a fascinating, uh, fascinating character. And I think she really is so belittled, just like Kylo Ren. Um, she is, she is a wonderful character. Absolutely. Abs- abs- absolutely. Um, and I think uh, a lot of antis, at least the well-meaning antis who are like, eh, this seems a little dramatic to me, um, whose hearts are in the right place. I think there is something to be said for how you said, like explaining that it's not a codependency. No. And that, um, you know, aside from the whole, like they are at war side to it, like, yeah, things are going to get a little bit violent, but they're a, not officially a thing yet. Right. And B like she tried to shoot him a couple yeah. times. Um, <laughs> so he was kind of in the right to be like, no, I don't want any of these hot blaster bolts piercing my face. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's very understandable. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I can't, I can't do it, you know? Um, but the idea that there is a nature of Kylo Ren taking advantage of her loneliness, um, it, I, you guys explained very well the last time we did this, and I'm going to say that multiple times, um, is how frustrated I am that that file doesn't exist anymore. Um, but th- what you guys had said in regards to the way that uh, they both have the same type of abandonment issue and went in completely polar opposite directions. Yeah. 
And if you guys get into that and how it's not him taking advantage of it and more him trying to level with her just really badly. <laughs> I think in the beginning, he, for a split moment, tried to take advantage of that when mm-hmm. he was going through the filing cabinet of her mind, you know, seeing things that he could uh, use to his advantage when he stumbles upon this. And of course, then she's pushing back. I think that's when he realized, Oh my God, it is you. Yeah. And he didn't want to use that to his advantage anymore. Yeah. Right. And, and also for a brief moment, he goes, wow, we're the same. Yeah. And that, and that interrogation scene moment is very, Yes, everything's kind of slowed down and you have the the scene and the and the audio and the visuals. It's all slowed down and this is happening very slowly, but for them, these characters, this is happening very fast. Yes. And I think it's it's an important moment for them to be on the same playing field. If their relationship is to be what we deem as end game, then the end game now. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> be on the same playing field. If I'm, if I'm making any sense. No, no, but, I, I understand that. Yeah. Right. I um, think with uh, a lot of the people who say she's codependent or she's so needy one, she has refused him and yes. turn. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not ask her to get in a in an escape pod and go get him. That yeah. was her choice. That was mm-hmm. her decision. She's rejected most people. Yeah. Yes. Like, she she, yeah. she shot down Finn. She shot down Han. Um yeah. shot down Leia a little bit, you know. You had a little bit of resistance there, no pun intended. But um, it's so Sorry to interrupt you. It's so very important that we saw her do those things. Yes. From the beginning where we see Finn just grab her hand and she yanks it away. That that all led up to her being the one to ship herself to Ben. Her being the one to stop calling him Kylo and start referring to him as Ben. That shakes him to the core in the elevator. I love oh, yeah. that. So Which is brilliant. And then you have the hut scene where she is the one to extend her hand first. You and then the he is the hut? one. The smut hut. Oh, my God. I will, uh, not, I will not get over that from our live chat. I mean, oh. <laughs> that was that was absolutely not like it. Absolutely not how it was, which is which makes it even more funny. Exactly. Like, that's just, how just, everyone yeah. wanted it. <laughs> I don't want it that way. I just like the phrase smut hut. Yeah, smut hut. <laughs> that's my favorite. Like, I didn't know I needed it until I heard it. And it was it was hearing it in the de- in the very dejected tone that it was spoken in on the yes. live stream. It was just yeah. like the smut hut. Was- yeah, well it threw me. It threw me for a loop. I was like, smut hut. What? <laughs> there it is. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you have her trying to try to focus. You have her reaching her hand out first and he's bringing his hand to her into the light. So you have all these, this color symbolism, 
The music is symbolic because the force theme is playing behind it. So the force ships this and it it's so beautiful because she is the one who's in control. That's so important when it's coming from a female perspective. Yes. And it, I, I feel that in episode nine now will be Ben Solo asking her again with his glove off for starters and and she will respond to that i also hope that we just don't get anything Raylo related for like halfway to the end i hope we see it more in the in the first half of the mm-hmm. film as well like there's this okay, there's a good Raylo. okay yeah there's a good build up but like we all need to be satisfied about this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing that needs pointed out is that Ray is not by any means desperate for Correct. some type of uh, connection. No. It's more that like, it's something that she wants profoundly mm-hmm. and is traumatized by the lack thereof. Yes. But she's also not willing to sell herself short in the name. of Mm-hmm. I would yeah. also say, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go no, ahead. No, 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 you're good. I would also say that she avoids it. I mean, here yeah. she had her hero, Han, offer her a job on the Falcon, and she didn't want to take it. She wanted to go back to Jakku. She is so, the only thing that will satisfy her at that time is her family. So, no, she's not looking for a man. She's not looking for friends. She's looking for her parents and only her parents. Because she thinks that if they come back, then finally she would find her worth. So if she's needy for anything, it's for her parents to come back and claim her. Um, she's that little girl inside of her that has never grown up. And I that says that sounds really weird when I say it. Someone say it more eloquently. Well, <laughs> you have it. It all stems from her her parents rejection and selling her yes but you see that in the other scant literature i'd say uh that we get about her you know she's in ray's survival guide by jason fry and we just had a discussion about this with john justice on a recent podcast she goes on talking about the people that she has gotten close to she knows a lot of people by name as she would going about you know 10 plus years in Nima outpost. But the minute you get close to someone, either they die. Yeah. Or they betray you. Yeah. So there's a reason why her ad at or that she chose that there's a reason why she doesn't hang out near the outpost that she can see 360 degrees around her. Um, That's not to say no one has disturbed her for, uh, lack of a better term, disturbed her there, but she chose that for a reason. There is, I'm sorry, Luther. No, okay. yeah. There's, there's proof in the Visual Dictionary that Anker Plett has had her his men teach her a violent lesson before. Yeah. Um. So this is not. I mean, they can't show that in a film, in a children's film. 
mm-hmm. in a family film. But there is so much allusions uh, to for this. Sure. For family film. That makes me yeah. feel better about covering mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Just like... I'm sorry, family <laughs> film. But, you know, it, they, they can't. There's one thing that I wish that they would have done. I wish they would have made Jakku more threatening in appearance. Um, a little bit like what Jordan Urso um experienced mm-hmm. um in that city and just where there is there are creatures and people at every turn that could hurt her that could hurt um jen and keep her from uh her her mission and i wish they would have shown that threat for ray i wish there was more uh footage of her going through the insides of a ship and seeing mm. her like jump from one part to another to explain why she is so um, flexible and why she's in such peak, you know, um, physical condition and all of these things that people are like, well, she's a Mary Sue because how can she jump from this hair, this place and this place? How can she wield a weapon? How can she? Well, so much of her training has already been done on Jakku. Um, and you have to kind of use your information, see that. Uh, her your skills imply training if you see her do it that means that she has had training off screen <laughs> that she has accomplished a part of me just wants to be an instigator and like get another screen name and just go on some of these other sites and go black widow is a, a mary sue and then run away yeah. and see what happens <laughs> oh gosh i mean by I the had- same logic you're right Yes. Because yes. she, she's not, but by that logic, right. we apply. Same thing with Luke and Anakin. And this is the yes. argument I've had a billion times where it's okay, like we can take all of Ray's credentials and still say Mary Sue, but how on God's green earth did this whiny little brat who says outright he has never flown in anything like an X Wing fighter, and the, the closest he's come to firing this one in a million shot is in the middle of the desert. Doesn't die. Oh, and what people during this say, massive military fight. Mm-hmm. Better yet, I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. Better <laughs> yet, let's throw the nine year old slave oh. who's never even touched the controls of a starship. Throw him into a dogfight. Have him, Mister Magoo, his way inside of the enemy <laughs> ship. Blow it up from the inside. Now, this is what I call pod racing his way back down to the planet unscathed. Happy oh. birthday, Jake Lloyd. Um, I, make that make sense. Like if, like if one, if Ray is a Mary Sue, so too is Anakin, and oh my God, is Anakin. So too is Luke, and oh my God, is Anakin. Yes, I, I think it's so funny that people provide the argument that Luke can make that one in a million shot because what did he do? He he shot womp rats. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't I think that's I the same thing. Shut <laughs> up. I mean, I don't think that's the right. It's, you know, and this is what Obi-Wan said. He didn't even look to see if he could hit the shot. He closed his eyes and Obi-Wan said, fill the force, Luke. It's all about the force. And, and exactly. Grace says, she says over and over. Ma says it. She says it to Luke. It's always been there. And she had no parent but the Force. The Force was her parent. The Force. I just want to say, sorry to interrupt you. No, that's okay. Go for it. (laughs) Luke, it's just going to be a podcast of interruptions. Um, That's all right. We're passionate. But 
Luke had his aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. Luke grew up in a loving home, and yes. all he had to worry about was going to Tosh Station to get some power. power Damn you! <laughs> right on it. I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for you. I thought you were going to say something like the moisture phone. I'm like, or Tosh Station to make up some power converters. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, people complaining about Ray. Look at Luke. Luke, look at what he came from, and you're, you know, digging on Ray for her background. Give me a break. Luke also gets the tar beaten out of him by that tribe of Tuscan Raiders without any issue yes. at all. Yes. He would have died if it wasn't for Obi-Wan. Exactly. Like, if Obi-Wan didn't start screeching, he'd be a dead man. Yep. But, but like, Ray gets jumped and makes her way out of it. Mm-hmm. She outfights them. It's not because they just went, oh, hey, this 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 chick with the three buns, she's really sweet. I don't want to hit her. Like, no, no Uncar Plutt and these uh. thugs and the whole First Order make a point of trying to kill her. Um, but And look how skilled Luke was. And I'm not saying skilled, but he was very advanced in using the lightsaber with that training remote. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's, uh, the thing, that's, that's, that's that pure instinct that the Force gives yes, you. Yes, exactly. And there's, like, there's a baseline of ability yes. that has like kind of been quietly established that like you can do a sizable amount that most people can't just simply by letting the Force touch you. Exactly. Like if you're more sensitive and you let it in, you are already leagues above other people. Yes. Other sensitives. Yes. And and everyone's like, well, you know, she'd be okay if she was a Skywalker or if she was a Kenobi or she was a Palpatine or and all of the, the lineage. And of course I wouldn't object to that if that was the story. But the Skywalkers were an exception to the rule, <laughs> not exactly. the rule itself. I mean, you don't, the, there's a reason why the Jedis and the Jedis did not marry or have children. <laughs> like the force had to choose the next generation because the Jedis were not multiplying. <laughs> you're, you're right. and, you know, the, the Kenobi um, suggestion makes even less sense. Yeah. It's, it's established that Obi-Wan's Metachlorian count is not that impressive. Or at least in Legends it was. And that's what makes Obi-Wan so fascinating is that he isn't a powerhouse like Anakin or Yoda. He's just incredibly skilled. Yeah. And it makes up for that difference. He's not like Obi-Wan is not Galen Merrick ripping stores. I mean, he truth rip it out yes. of the air because it was yeah. already falling. That's a debate for a different day. But he, you know, he's not ripping star stories out of the sky or doing all of these like god tier force abilities. He wants good at what he does because he's trained like hell. Yeah, and that and that was the thing with Anakin was like Anakin is an incredibly skilled warrior, mm-hmm. but those more subtle nuanced uses of the force were beyond him because he couldn't just oh, just reach out with the force and just do the things that Obi Wan could. And that's why that's where there was a skill differential there. That That's what there. I love about skill. Ray and Ben Solo together. Yeah. You look at them apart and you know it's it's raw ability. But I love the character of Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo because he is the mashup of Obi-Wan, Anakin, and you know, add someone else 
in there too. Revan, Revan, yes, Revan. Revan. Um, we're gonna see this. This gonna style, like, yeah, years. we're gonna see this power unleashed in episode nine. They've they've held back with it, but and obviously you see him stop the blaster bolt. Uh, you see him force choke and pull um, that first order uh, person to him. But I want, we need to see more from him. And I think we will, we will see more from Ray. I think we're going to get something 10 times more powerful than the throne room. And, and that's even hard to imagine because that scene was so brilliant, but with with regard to Kylo Ren's power, and again, this is one of those like you get really in the weeds of it, and you know, yes. me as somebody who's like, everybody has like their like their niche in Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. like I love Star Wars, but this is the part that I love. Yeah, I love I love the Jedi and the Sith and the Force. Like that, like that's my that's my that's my pigeonhole where it's like, give me lightsabers, give me the Force, give me this ancient yeah. history and all the lore. Give me what, give mm-hmm. me that. Yeah, and um one of the things is that like the whole like hand gesture thing, it's not that they're projecting the force from the palm of their hand. It's no. kind of like how magic works in Harry Potter. We're like it. There's like a mind body spirit connection that makes yeah. like me, me exclaiming Expelliarmus is going to make that spell more potent and make it happen yes. more efficiently. That mind body connection. And I throw my hand out for a force push. It's not coming from my hand. It's my mind, body and spirit all going. Okay push and mm-hmm. it's happening all at once yeah. kylo ren when he stops the blaster ball in jakku he reaches out boom catches it and then the physical gesture goes away and he just holds it there mentally yes no eye contact he has his back turned to it and then you can debate okay did the bolt like snap back into that th- in that like, i think it was a moisture evaporator or whatever it was yeah it snap back because kylo ren got too far away from it and then, like the connection was broken or did he just wait until he was away and then went, okay, now I'm going to scare the stormtrooper. Let, you he know, let it go. I yeah. think he did too. I think mm-hmm. he's way too theatrical. Oh yeah. Yep. Accident. He went, let it go or to scare Finn. Yes. Let it happen I mean, that way. He did it right after he saw, he looked at Finn and knew what Finn did and what Finn didn't do. More importantly, it was the like, warning shot. Yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. scare this guy to death. And Finn jumps. <laughs> he jumps pretty high after that yeah it was released for a purpose at that time so exactly and i i do i think that that that's a big part of it as well is that there is there's a lot of power here between these yes and like you were saying about like the skywalker family is the exception not the rule yes Um, there also is something to be said for people who are just born with an incredible connection to the force right you know, who have no lineage. You have your Revens, your Bane, mm-hmm. Malgus. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm saying a lot of dark side people here, but like, um, oh, I just lost it. I just lost it. Damn, 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 damn. What the? I just lost the name. I was about to say it. Crap. But you, you have people who do Palpatine. And I'm saying a lot of dark side people, but they're the people who like, you see a clear lineage where they came mm-hmm. from just nobodies. Right. You know, there was not a force sensitive person in Palpatine's family, yet he's the most powerful Sith Lord of all time. Yeah. And it was, and that again, like, yes, that was power plus skill, but that level of power untrained. And again, this is legends, but there's no reason to assume this isn't still possible for him in canon. Right. The, the absolute massacre of his family mm-hmm. in the Darth Plagueis novel, 
zero training and just ripped everyone apart with the force. Yeah. There was a precedent for people who have no formal training as a light sider or a dark sider being able to just go, ooh, I have this thing. Okay, thing, do your thing. And just letting it take them over. That that if, if it makes sense for this plethora of characters, I don't know why that that affects Ray. I don't know why it is now offensive and demeaning for Ray to follow suit in the same way that so many other characters did, where it was just, no, they're just insanely gifted. Well, it's, you it's, can get into the idea. I'm sorry. If you get into the yeah, idea okay. where it's like the force going, okay, you're going to be important. So we're going to put a little extra in you. Because we're going to need you to be able to perform at a very high level. So we're just, we're going to put a couple extra metachlorians here. Okay, now you go do your thing and go save emo boy over here. All right? Okay, good. <laughs> I, I think that, of course, there's a, a divine, there's a, there's a spirituality in, in Star Wars that cannot be denied. I mean, people like to belittle the Force, and the Force binds us all together. I mean, that is essential to the story. But I also religions. see. Yes. But I. <laughs> Which is part of all of those nights, you know, force night uh, spiritual tells. But you also have this idea of you see that in real life, you have prodigies in real life that have received little to no training. And all of a sudden they can do what college level students can do with years and decades of training. Um, I have a savant in my family and he, could score music at five years old. Um, and he has piano teachers who say, this kid knows how to play piano and knows things in musical theory that my college level students don't even know. And it's innate in this kid. Um, here he could play pieces that I played like in high school and he played them in third grade. I mean, there's just, it seems unfair, but he was born that way, and that's how Ray and Kylo were. They were exactly. born this way. And and you also have the added bonus that Ray also got on top of having an impressive amount of just raw, untamed power. Right. That, <laughs> on top of that, she also got the fast track from her force bond from Ben. Yeah. Yes. So, so she has, and and the way I've described it is like it's like showing. It's like when you see somebody try to emulate a certain technique. And it's like, okay, like you, you, you understand the material, like you, you understand what you're supposed to be doing, but you're not quite doing it on the level quite yet. Yeah. And you see it in the Praetorian guard fight. I'm pretty sure that like, once they break up and they're like fighting in different sections of the room, Ray takes out like what, maybe two or three guards by herself and Kylo yeah. marathons the rest. Exactly. Exactly. In, in uh, you know, and again, getting in the weeds of like the fighting styles and stuff, looking at him go, my eye, there's a lot of those like really broad brute force swings and strikes going on. To me, that screams he's a Gemso specialist. Gemso is not meant for group engagements. That is a one on one dueling style where your objective is to break the other person. And the fact that he has the wherewithal to be able to like dance around the room practically and barber all of these guards in the process 
And you see Ray trying to do what he's doing, but only racking up a couple kills. Ray isn't fighting on the level with Kylo or the no. guards. No, so she's people who not. say she is aren't watching the fight. Well, and even Kylo, when he points the saber to her, to her, and she is wounded at that same time, he says, "Hold on." That's <laughs> what he mouths: "Is hold on." Like he is. That, that, that's another thing. Whenever you're, yeah, Scott, I want to talk about all of the under the breath comments. Yes, like that uh, needs its own section because oh my god. Yeah. But you finished thought. I apologize. No, that's okay. I, I've interrupted you, not intentionally, but um I also feel like Luthien, you need to talk and I'm sorry. I yeah, yeah. so many No, I'm just you really know? enjoying listening to you guys and I'm being absolutely sincere. I just yeah, I want to hear from you too, because so I'm sorry. Go ahead. All three of us on one show that we all have this knack for just getting like Passionate. super into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Either being like being a part of the conversation and going. Oh wow! Like you, there's like too much of that going on in this whole group. Yes. So there would just be a moment where just one of us just. Well, you tend you off. tend to forget that you're a part of it. So like you're just listening on. Like, damn, this is a really good podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then I'm like, oh shoot! Like I'm a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> That's me. I'm just like, oh, this is so dope. Oh wait, I gotta talk. Oh no, she yeah. just went on another thing. He just went on another thing. Oh, this is really good. Oh yeah, I'm a part of it, and then I hear my name. <laughs> oh, okay. Something that we talked about about Obi Wan Kenobi and how he um, is a little bit different. I think that's what they're trying to play more on is there are warrior Jedi's, but there's also philosophical Jedi's. And when I look at Obi Wan Kenobi, he's more of the sage than the warrior. And it's very much like that kind of druid understanding, um, kind of like Merlin, <laughs> um, of different okay, types okay. of spiritualism. Um, and I see that with Ray. Ray is more of the healer than the warrior. She, can she kick butt? Yeah, she can. Um, she's she's very skilled. But I think the Force sees her more as a healer of broken things of healing things in this universe that needs to be put back right than a person who um goes out there and it just wants to set this is like kylo ren i'm sorry i'm so passionate right now i can't get words out forgive me but i think that's what (laughs) that's what she is and i think that's such a beautiful femininity about her. Like Absolutely. if you look at mythology, um, the females in mythology usually were the goddesses or the healers that help the hero at a moment of exhaustion. Um, they arm the hero for the fight or they heal the heal the warrior for the fight. And I see that with Ray. Um, we believe, and we're actually going to talk about this in a future podcast where we believe she's already fulfilled her mama myth. She's already fulfilled yes, her year's yes, quest. I very much agree with that. So, so she can be the goddess that um, lights the way back for Ben to come to the light again, to um, restore him uh, so that he can fulfill his quest. Um, and that's so important to her understanding. I think she is the healer. Um, and I just can't wait to see 
she helps guide Ben. I mean, Ben has to take the steps. Ben has to do an active thing to to redeem himself. But Ray Absolutely. is is it her pulling him back, and it shouldn't be him coming back. For right, her. it's right. her leading by example. Right, mm-hmm. right. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of like the Beatrice to Dante. Here, Dante was in the layers of hell and he had to go through the layers of purgatory. Um, and it was his beloved that was calling him home. Uh, and that you see that with even the story. I mean, what does she do? She goes to the very depths of hell. Um, and I'm using that as the inferno allegory. She goes to the very depths of hell to save her beloved, but he's not ready to come back up. But I think he's slowly, slowly getting there, but she's already made it. She's already lifted the rocks. <laughs> she's already proclaimed one of the future Jedi, but he has to follow suit. Hello. <laughs> I uh, no, I, I love that take. Um, I also think there's something very uh, poignant about the fact that, like, she's. I don't want to say she's finished her story because obviously the story is finished. No, no, she hasn't. Her main arc, and like I said on the on the original Raylo episode, the way I've always perceived the Kylo Ren and Ray story is Ray has her I'm nothing, I'm no one, I'm a nobody to no, I am a Jedi Knight and I am a hero of the resistance. And this right. is my home and this is my family. And that's her arc. Yeah. And that Kylo Ren's arc is being broken and trying to pretend to be something that he knows he's not. Yeah. And that those those two arcs are going parallel to each other. But there is a separate arc that is Ray finding herself and Ben becoming himself that is right. where the two meet. Mm-hmm. And it is when they have finished that genesis, whereas when they will become a unit and can really operate at a much higher capacity as a team. Right. Um, and Ray's solo arc, no pun intended here, of um, I'm nothing, I'm no one to... I'm a Jedi. I'm a hero in the resistance. This is, these are my friends. This is my family. She's done that. Yeah. She's there. See her room in that completed arc in episode nine. And then we also get, and now we have to have Ben finish becoming Ben solo again. I'm sorry if I said hello rudely there in, like, earlier on, I, I, I saw all of the lights go off and I thought I lost everyone. So Forgive me. That's oh, weird. you're good. I didn't. I didn't hear you. So you're good. I I didn't realize you said. That. I was like, "Hello," and then mm. I was like, "Oh gosh, I hope I didn't sound rude." Like I was expecting applause or something. Mm. <laughs> okay. You just stunned like, us in the silence. No. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. Dante and Beatrice. No, that was, that was a great <laughs> illusion. I was clapping for that. Um, so we got, got really deep into Ray's head here. Um, and I, I do want to kind of transition into a more uh, subtle and practiced look at Kylo's psychology. And um, getting really nitty-gritty into the abuse side of it and the and then the trauma. I got a lot into the like family beef in the last episode that made a point of being like, this is why it has to be Ray and not Leia or Luke or Han. Um, yeah. So like I said, I, I want to start with the under the breath comments because this blew my friggin' mind. 
Um, I saw on like one of the thousands of different Raylo pages on Instagram the whole "I don't want to kill you" in like the blade lock on Starkiller. Yeah, um, I saw that. It was like right before I like watched your video that like went through a bunch of the different like liberating scenes, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's really cool." And then and I was like, "Oh, this is in the novel. It makes sense." And then I started I watched that video and then like my I had to like like put my head back on because my mind was blown uh listening to a lot of it. So you guys want to get into like the under the breath comments and what that reflects in him? Luthien, do you want to take this? Since I've talked nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> um Well it it certainly reflects that he is self-comforting yeah in a way where he's just at the point where he's going to say it out loud but he doesn't the the moment in the force awakens where you see him mouthing i don't want to kill you you see him go mouth it's you you see him in the throne room of the last jedi going hold on uh, definitely the moment uh, in his ship on crate where he unleashes all the firepower on Luke and then Luke's doppelganger emerges and he sits, he sits down not realizing that, that Luke is still alive for lack of a better term, but he goes, it's just Luke. It's okay. It's just Luke. You know, he's, he's trying to psych himself up. He's just a man. He's just a man. I can do this. He's just a man and I can kill him. All of these moments with himself comforting is probably something he did throughout his whole entire childhood. Yeah. He had to self comfort with his parents. He had to definitely self comfort with snoke he had no one else you had in one ear your birth parents calling you a monster and not to your face but you heard it then you have exactly i think is worse you have your yeah all that's all that matters is monster yep yep you have now your for all intents and purposes, your adoptive father call, calling you at one moment the heir to Lord Vader, and then the next he's berating you physically, mentally, and emotionally. He was all he had. Then you have your your uncle. <laughs> I mean, this is not in order, but you have your uncle who is probably there are moments where he is talking Ben up, telling him how good he is. I, I, I hope we get in other literature, the moments in Luke's Jedi temple where he, I'm willing to bet Luke is probably the best figure in his life. Yeah. That's what made the betrayal. So yes. Impactful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that Luke was not far more. And I, I keep cutting you guys off and I apologize. That's okay. I, I think there's some, I, I highly doubt that Luke was anywhere near as detached as Han or just like so afraid to touch anything that she'd break it as Leia. 
so that I think Luke was so aged to the point where that is why what Luke did affected yes. him in the way it did. Luke probably called Ben the son he never had. And he called him kid. Yes. Oh my God. Called why him did kid. You say that to me. Oh, he my called- heart. And I'm sure he called him kid a lot. That is a solo term of endearment. And I'm sure Luke used that on purpose because his father wasn't around. And what did his father probably or would have called him if he were around? Kid. Kid. Mm-hmm. So it makes all of this knowledge, makes the under the breath comments of self-comforting so much more heartbreaking. And we need to give credit to where credit is due. Yes. All of this has been analyzed by a lip reader on Instagram mm-hmm. called Madam is quoted. Yes. And a she tumbler. is brilliant. A tumbler. Sorry. Mm. Thank you. She is brilliant yes. at reading the lips. One of the things that is the most heart wrenching to me is right when Ben kills Han. Yes. He, he says, I love you, dad. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Mm-hmm. I didn't know about. That. I forgot. I knew about yeah. that. I forgot about it. Oh God! What's even I mean, more why heartbreaking? Did I, why did I let you talk about this in the middle of the show. Uh, <laughs> What's even know. more heartbreaking about that is Leia when she sits down. Not only is she grieving for the loss of Han, obviously she can feel it in the Force. But you find out that she has sat down because at that moment, she has felt the agony in her son within the force. So she knows that what he has done is going to wreak havoc on his heart. And she feels that. And that's why it took her off her feet. Exactly. It's just, it's just. How can, how can anyone not want someone like Ben Solo to be redeemed. I don't get it. I don't either. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing about it is that it's not the, I chose the dark side because I wanted to get drunk on that power. Right. It was, I was, I was beaten into believing it's all I had left. Yes. And I was manipulated at a young age Mm -hmm. and broken at a young age into thinking all I was, was Vader 2.0 and a soulless murder bot for the first order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- that is why I, I have such a like, he deserves a second chance because he barely got a first try. Yes. He was abused from the womb. Mm-hmm. He was, was abused from the yeah, womb. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, no, I was going to say, like, like about the whole aftermath, like Snoke probing while he Leia was pregnant with him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I th- that's my biggest thing about his redemption. And like the more I've ruminated about Ben's character, I'm like, he didn't even have a shot. Yeah. Um, but that, no, th- thank you. That, that, that was the part I, I just absolutely love. And it makes me so unbelievably depressed talking about it. Um, the other thing I really want to get into while you guys are on the horn with me, um, because this was the other thing that just absolutely I couldn't get enough of on your channel is the connections to other works and other fictions that, uh, the whole, I mean, the secret trilogy as a whole, but because this is what we're here for the Raylo aspect of it. You guys talk a lot about pride and prejudice. You talk a lot about beauty and the beast, which I am particularly biased towards because 
You should tell everyone why. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I think that maybe the first time it came up on the air whenever we recorded this originally. Last, not this past summer, but the summer before, I was in a beauty of East like Cogsworth. Um, when that was also around the time I had gotten together with my girlfriend Alexis, and um, she was super into Beauty and the Beast. So you know, I I, I may have cashed in those chips a couple times. Um, <laughs> they're important chips. They're very yes. important chips, and mm-hmm. they were legitimate Gosh, chips. So yeah, they were legit chips. They were chips. It was yeah. Hey, as you do there, there was like hey, you know, I uh, Cogsworth. What's going on? Yeah. You know? Whenever <laughs> you're fight, whenever you're, if you're in a fight with her, you just gotta say, "Remember that time we were in Beauty and the Beast together." <laughs> Well, we were in it together. We were in it together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wish she was. Remember that um, time I played Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. That no, was great, we, wasn't it? We were at Hunchback of Notre Dame this past summer, which Ooh. is, oh, it's so, it, the musical, I love the musical version <gasps> of it. I, yes. I wince yeah. when I said that, I made it sound like I didn't like it. It is just, it is such a heavy show. It is it's very a, heavy. Heavy is a good word. Because it gives you such whiplash. Yeah. Because in a good way, like not in like a bad writing way, because it has like the gorgeous Alan Menken Disney music. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mixed with the like incredibly dour Victor Hugo story. Oh, and gosh. so like you, you get jostled back and forth between, you know, Quasimodo singing out there and then like the actual, like, like seeing a far more hyper-realized version of Frollo with Hellfire. Oh my gosh, mm. yes. You know, it, it, it was it was, it was was bone-chilling. It was like the, the, everything that happened and everybody who was in that cast was phenomenal. Um, and this just brought it all to life. And I, I get goosebumps thinking about um, But yeah, no, that, that, that's why I'm incredibly biased towards the Beauty and the Beast references because anytime I can connect Raylo and Bell and Adam, <laughs> I'm like, do it. Do you think you're going to love one of our next video essays then because yes, that's the yes, back half. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Also just to tie it back to star Wars, when I did play Cogsworth, I basically played C3PO. That is exactly how I did it. Awesome. Yeah, like, it was the walk and the waddle and everything. Um, but yeah, it was uh, yeah that, uh, you know, one, I don't think my theater career is ever going to get any better than the, if it's not a Baroque, don't fix it line. <laughs> yeah. Can you say it like Cogsworth, please? Please, oh, please. Yep. And if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. And then awesome. I, I, I had like a 30 second laugh to myself the whole time. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a grand old time. And it was a joke. It was like, that's not Cogsworth. That's Jared laughing at the really, 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 really <laughs> bad joke. Because he has like zero professionalism in him at all, and it's just you know, oh. it's, a, it's a dumb pun. Um, you know, I think Cogsworth <laughs> would be delighting in his own pun. So I think it's it within yep. character. Yep. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> but um, yeah. But if we just, how about we start like a theater podcast? Like just you know, yes, just, um, yes, yes. Put, it, put it in the. Put it in the uh, Dubek Discussion Network. You know, we got the horror podcast, the comic book podcast, the Star Wars show, and Broadway. Uh, yep. Yeah. You you can come on our, our podcast and we can oh. talk some Broadway. Okay. I mean, okay. I will, we will talk some Broadway. Best okay. in Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Manuel Miranda, who is my hero. Yes. Tim Rice. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of uh, some, some uh, Rogers and Hammer Science, some Low and Learner. We will just get crazy in there. I'm a Steven Schwartz guy myself. Ooh, you know. yeah. Pippin, Pippin was my favorite until Hamilton came along. I'm trying uh, to think of the Steven Schwartz musical that I really love. It's not, it's not Godspell. What is it? Pippin is one of those unsung heroes of Broadway musicals. Like, really, truly underrated. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, but that, that is the hardest sidetrack in the history of this, (laughs) in this podcast network. Oh, like, awesome. I love it. We've had some, like, hardcore, like, ADHD squirrel moments on the main Dubag show. But like that, that was excellent. I'm proud of that. But um, if you guys could dive into a lot of like the literary elements and kind of explaining the film language there. And like, I, I think I see a lot of people kind of bring up the whole, oh, I think you're reading into certain things too much. Oh. Uh, when like the point is for it to be read into a lot of the yes. time, like filmmakers know what they're putting, where they're putting it and know the deeper symbols that are involved. Yeah. So if you guys could get into that. And like I said, the different illusions and stuff like that. That, that that I want to get some meat on that bone. It's meat. Yeah, it it certainly does an injustice to the writing team and the screenplay team when someone just says there's no symbolism there. I mean, you're reading too much into it. That door is just a doorway, or whatever have you. If Emerson and I can take what over 40 videos and explain all of the symbolism. I mean, we get on the phone together and we're just like, well, what do we talk about next? And then all of a sudden it comes to us and we get like three or four ideas. What makes anyone think that the writers can't think that way either? I mean, it just kind of blows my mind. They've come, they have the same backgrounds, if not more. Then Emerson, myself, a lot of other podcasters, a lot of other content creators, and the, they're the ones behind the desk. They're the one pumping this out. So I, I just get very upset when you have a fan, for lack of a better term, or a term I can't really share right now because we're <laughs> just brush it off as horrible writing or the like that's just really doing it it gives writers in general a bad name and and then they'll go off on oh well they're just pulling it from this and pulling it from that give them an original idea well are are you going to curse out John Williams for not having an original thought um, because <laughs> he's pulled from uh, yes, exactly. It's <laughs> like if you're gonna, if you're going to curse George out the Lucas film, himself, right? Yeah. George like, Lucas uh, pretty much made the Lord of the Rings in space. Like yep. Tolkien uh, was, he was a huge Tolkien fan. So it 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 blows my mind that people get so upset that it's not an original idea. And almost every movie out there isn't an original thought. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're at the point where, like, 
and there's nothing wrong, but like just that kind of like postmodern era where like just about everything's been done. Yes. And so now it's like, okay, you can do it, but how is yours different? Yes. Kind of thing. It's um, so funny to me that those critics say it's the same idea, but they also say it doesn't follow the monomyth template. It doesn't follow Joseph Campbell. <laughs> this is exactly what Joseph Campbell Campbell meant by the monomyth. Yep. I was just about to say the irony that you have the audacity to say it's like it doesn't follow the monomyth. Like you you realize that like that's the point is that everything falls under this yes. umbrella pretty much. And to be angry that it's like it doesn't follow the monomyth, but it's too similar. Like, uh, hey, if it exists, it's pretty close to the monomyth, period. Oh my it, gosh. Sorry, I'm just mad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just so, mad. So <laughs> literature. Literature, we're discussing discussing literature. parallels. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But no, like, if anything, I took us on this horrible tangent again. This is like Fire on the Antes. This is like my family. This is like the meat on the bone for me. Literature and symbolism and art. And I will tell you as a writer and artist myself, and I will even uh, quote Sabine Wren when she goes to the Fortisark Temple, art always means something. Every word that you write is like a note that follows another to make a harmonious sentence. And it builds and builds and builds and builds. Praise. The person that writes that script, the person that makes that costume, the person that composes that music, the person that does the cinematography, the person that does the set design, the person that makes each weapon <laughs> and each armor has a purpose and an idea in their mind. And then J.J. Abrams and the producers compose the whole thing. You're telling me... <laughs> That that whole composition, all those hundreds of people in the credits, oh, no, there's no story. There's a story. You just don't like the story. Preach <laughs> and it, that's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. You don't have to like any story. But, okay, make sure when you don't like something that you don't attach labels to it. <laughs> that don't, you you, you don't dissolve its existence. Yes. Yes. You're not yes. appreciating it. Yeah, it's just like, oh, we'll attach this label. We'll say Ray's a Mary Sue. Most of the people don't even know what a Mary Sue means. Most, Most of the people who throw that term around think, think it's an actual literary yeah. term, no, first of all. it's not. The amount of people I've seen like who will like define Mary Sue in their eight-hour video essay, and I'm like... Hold the hell up. First of all, that, <laughs> this is like some kind of like, like you were sitting down in your literature 101 class and said, all right, class, what's a Mary Sue? Like, no, that, that term barely exists. And it's like, like, they all failed. There's emasculation. There's, you know, all of these things. Well, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that bad things happen to the characters. There's a reason there's disharmony between the men and the women. There's reason for everything. Um, and there, there's a reason that it offends you because it should offend you. <laughs> mm, yeah. It should offend you because that's not the way that people collaborate and work and get this universe and this galaxy together. Um, it's just so weird to me that people do not look at the story and then ask themselves, 
what is the story trying to teach me? Because every story, especially the monomyth template, is a, for a didactic purpose, which means it's to teach you a lesson. <laughs> Speaking of teaching, I want to see everyone who has just lambasted these films. I want to see their English grade. I do too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really to- do. <laughs> I bet all their papers that they try to write are full of red ink. I want them to see, actually write out the monomyth template. Like, actually write out the clock for me. Yeah. Actually write out the clock and then tell me how the original trilogy fulfills that, but the sequel trilogy just doesn't. Because that's what they're spewing out. They're spewing out words and terminology that they don't even know what it means. (laughs) Sorry. But man, this gets me fired up. I want to see their English grade. Holy hell, that would be great. <laughs> um, I want to see um, their blue books now. <laughs> um, so, like, specific... Thanks for all, having us, Jared. You're very welcome. <laughs> this is my pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me, because I also yeah. keep forgetting this is going on your channel, too. <laughs> We're both guests at each other's home yes. at the same time, and yep. it's very weird. It's mm. like a force bond. Um... <laughs> Kind of. Any other way, you know? I, I can't see your surroundings, only you, yeah. Um, <laughs> about the Raylo connection. So, like, talking like film language, and I think that this comes into play how you guys are talking about the implications of Kylo Ren's self worth and self loathing issues and the uh, implications of like the whole self harm thing. If you could get into that a little bit, um, oh. I would be very. I want. I want you guys to break that down because I find that very fascinating. I think that's a very integral part of Kylo's character. And do you mind if I board. take this? Go right ahead. Okay. Um. The that comes from the secret language of duels, and I'm sorry if I'm promoting it, but I uh, love promote that. that. Promote that video because that video was my favorite. It, oh yeah. And the reason that I love it is I freaking love stage combat. And <laughs> to me, if I really want to analyze a character, I look and analyze a relationship of those characters. You look at stage combat because that will tell you basically more than words will. Um, nonverbal communication is 96% of your communication. So really it, doesn't really matter what's coming out of your mouth most of the time, but people will look at as your face and the way you're moving your body and everything. You as an actor and as an actress, Lithian, you know this because <laughs> every act has a reaction. So when you are doing stage combat, you are completely in sync with choreographed steps with two people. It's like a dance. It really is. And so even that choreography means something between those two people. And especially in Star Wars, when a lightsaber is an extension of the Jedi or the Sith or the Force user, that lightsaber is like... So too is their fighting like style, are. which is yeah. why the lightsaber combat, like, you know, like, look mm-hmm. at yeah. that pure defense, that right. series two specialization is essence of Obi-Wan Kenobi and like Vader's very mechanical hybridization of all seven right. forms. It's like, it's like, yeah, you put all those seven forms together, plus all of the physical advantages Vader has, you are primed for a murder machine. And won't blow the whole shit away. Have a murder machine. And, you know, 
And, and I, and when I was saying I love that video, love this topic. I mean, I love, I love lightsabers. That's there's a reason we're called girls with sabers <laughs> because we have, we love it. We love lightsabers. We love the language of duels. We love all of that symbolism. So. If you take this idea that the sword or the lightsaber is an extension of that person um, and an extension of their soul, I mean, it's an extension of Kylo Ren. That saber is, in most uh, speaking, is Kylo Ren. It points to what it wants. Um, and it also slays what it wants to. And he uses that lightsaber distinctively when he wants to harm himself. Um, if you look at when he loses his temper and he damages the walls or the console or whatever, um, he is using scratch marks that look, and I'm going to, I'm going to warn people. This is going to probably go into a trigger warning situation. Yeah. So, whenever we have the audio file, we're going to put it in the description for okay. our podcast mm-hmm. and for you guys to like have like the timestamp where this conversation starts. Yeah. Because I, I just, I'm concerned with people's safety, safety, because this is a very private matter, but um, usually cutters use this as a release. I mean, a lot of people think that they want to be in pain, but they also are exchanging one pain for the other. Um, And they're trying to release that pain. Uh, So, and it's also, it's done for many reasons, but a lot of the reasons too is usually out of self-hatred. Um, and that's what you see Kylo Ren doing these things. Most of the time when he uses a saber is when he knows he's in trouble, when he can be pinpointed to a failure or a problem. And in The Force Awakens, when he says, what girl? He just committed a horrible chain of events. He uh, let the stormtrooper go. He didn't discipline him. Well, that stormtrooper led a revolt, <laughs> uh, escaped with his prisoner, uh, met this girl, Jakku, that had the droid. And now that droid is on his father's ship, ready to go to the, the resistance. And he knows Snoke is going to get him for it. Snoke and Hux are going to chide him for it. And he's horribly upset with himself. Like if you see, he's not even looking at the lieutenant that tells him this. He is like, <laughs> like hacking that console. And then all of a sudden he takes a breath. <sighs> what girl? You know that anger is not towards the man behind him. It is towards it is a reflection of himself. which is also a huge telltale sale with some really ugly abuse yes yes and i i have no doubt that snoke taught him that method Absolutely. there's also very right about that there's also that moment that they did film but they didn't put it in where when ben goes before snoke uh after he's killed han and he's in the uh, throne room and Snoke is saying no you have too much of your father's heart in you. in you Snoke actually touches his cheek and oh. a part of me a part of me wishes that they would have kept that in 
because that's that's such a double-edged sword. Oh my god. As, as far as far as the type of person uh the type of being Snoke is. Yeah. It's oh very very sinister. Oh, I feel gross. Yes. Oh. Jesus. Yes. Not, not only does that but he like Kylo Ren is crying. Yes. And he, and he wipes his- the tear. In disgust. Yes. The prepositional phrase is used in disgust. It's in the novel, if I That's in the novel. remember correctly. Is it in the novel? It's in the novel. Yeah. And then Ryan it's been Jones- a while since I read the Last Jedi novel, so I could just be rusty and forgot that or didn't catch it. You it was one of those see- moments where you kind of breeze by it. If you're reading kind of quickly... Um, because we're already familiar with that scene. We're familiar with what we saw on the screen and now we're reading it. Uh, it's one of those weird things where obviously the book is now coming out after the film. So your mind just kind of leaps over it. But the way it's described and the fact that they filmed this yeah. um, is, again, I'm a part of me is glad they, they took it out. But then an, another part of me, the other part of me is just like, oh. I wish we could have seen just how like sinister that. he is, or he I was. I really feel uneasy. The yeah. You said that. That is, mm-hmm. oh, wow. That comes with a whole lot of other implications. Yeah. How and- quickly Snoke can turn. And what you would think would be such a, such a sweet act of someone brushing a tear from someone's cheek, but the way Snoke does it you know it's not that no. he in in one moment he can and he can be this what outwardly seems very gentle but then turns on a dime and will just throw you to the ground with force lightning it's so evil it is so sinister and the abuser of this film is snoke not kylo ren not ben no. solo I wish more people would have gotten up in arms about Snoke being the abuser than this empty, empty threat of Kylo Ren. To, to go to build on that, you know, how we were talking about costumes and everything has a meaning, everything has a from the costume design, mm-hmm. the actors. One of the people that uh, Andy Serkis said he based Snoke on was Hugh Hefner. And that's why. Can you repeat that? One of, the, one of the things that uh, Andy Serkis said he based Snoke on was, was Hugh Hefner. And that's one of the reasons why he wears that gold May. Um, basically, bathrobe is to give that Hugh Hefner connotation to his performance. I think another uh, very symbolic uh, connotation to that robe is that it's gold. Mm-hmm. It's it's and it's reflective, and he seems to be uh, very much how in biblical, with a biblical reference, uh, Satan is the or Lucifer is the prince of light. He's a light bringer. And that really throws a biblical connotation into this whole symbolism that we're talking about, where Snoke outwardly seems like this princely, kingly figure. And deep down, he is the snake 
in the garden. Yeah, he's he the charmer, and he's an the masquerade. Yes, masquerades as the angel of light. You even see that in the in the Force Awakens in the in the hologram. It's all he's all bathed in this in this type of halo, this uh, this light. But but deep down, he he's deceitful. And you also have like the lavishness of evil there. Too. Yes, lavish lavishness of evil is is definitely the right term. You also have the the um the word uh Snoke is mm-hmm. snake. Yes. Snake and smoke. Mm-hmm. Um and that gold lame, if you look really closely at it, it looks like snake scales. Yeah, right. snake scales. Very, mm-hmm. very right about yep. that. Yep. Yeah. This was um, all done intentionally. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so you, you have that. And I want to talk a lot about some of the other film and literary and uh, um, mythological references that are baked in the Ray and Kylo Ren's interactions. Um, it's mostly going to be the Pride and the Prejudice and the Beauty and the Beast stuff. Um, but, and, but I really do want to get into that because I think those those are the two stories that that um affect this newer tale the most truly um so if you guys want to get into the beauty and the beast and the uh pride and prejudice stuff um yeah it's <laughs> can you tell us specifically what what you want us to talk about i'm sorry i, I, I realized as i came out of my mouth they've only done a dozen videos on that <laughs> subject matter how about you yeah which area there's so many things. Which chapter of the book? <laughs> You're very right. Um, yeah. Oh man, as as it pertains to how their relationship with each other is shaped and the world around them, I think uh, if that helps at all, and if not, just riff on it because eventually you'll hit what I was going for that I'm unable to kind of for you. Um, I will say that the the things that uh, Beauty and the Beast and Pride and Prejudice, and there's also Jane Eyre in that mix, have in common is it's it's about an egotistical male that finds a woman who loves him, but he has to put his egotism and his self-centered self-centered nature aside um, in order to. Um, when that maiden and it's like it's an inside makeover bell and jane and pride and prejudice um or elizabeth and pride and prejudice cannot force darcy or uh the beast to transform himself he has to earn this person's love by an inside transformation um and it's i just want to i just want to interrupt and that doesn't mean that the the female protagonist doesn't have her own maturation journey. Exactly. It it's just that, like we said in the beginning of the podcast about Ray, that these females will not give up who they are. And no. they will not change for someone who is toxic or uh yeah, who who's toxic, who's proving toxic. And that toxic person need, needs to change regardless. Correct. Right. Correct. It's, it's but they right. will not they be will a better not. person we could be together. It's you need to be a better person. Yes. Period. Correct. 
then right. we can cross that bridge once we've seen that you're no longer, you know, whatever. Um, yes. You've got to prove it's, your mettle. Exactly. Yeah. You see that with Belle. You see that with Jane in Jane Eyre. And you, and you see that a little bit with Elizabeth. She's not willing to compromise on that. That's no. not something she's willing to give up, even though she certainly is full of pride. Uh, all all the female characters are, but she that pride is not coming before the fall. There's no fall for for them. It's a healthy well, it's like, pride. It's not huge. correct. Yes, it's a very exactly. healthy pr- pride. Yes. Yes. So continue. <laughs> um. It's. It answers the question, whoever loves a beast will someone who is patient. Yes. And that's exactly what Ray is good at, uh, being patient and fixing broken things. Um, And it's it's that whole idea. And I know a lot of people are like, but he's horrible to her. He's a monster. Well, that's what the beast was, (laughs) yelling and screaming at Belle. Um, and that's what Darcy is. I mean, the first time Darcy sees Elizabeth, he goes, well, she's tolerable, but not enough for me to go and talk to her or dance with her. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically what he said. I mean, he was a, he was a jerk. And the proposal scene, when he first proposed to, to her, he's like, I love you. But here are all the reasons we can't get married. Your your family embarrasses me. Um, you come from a lower class sta- status than I do, um, and I should not I should not be attracted to you because of that status. But I still love you, so marry me. And she this- Elizabeth is like, uh, dude, I'm not even going to consider it because you you behave in such a, a gentleman like manner. You need to leave the room right now. <laughs> This is gothic romance 101. Yes, it is. Yes. Very mm-hmm. good. Absolutely. It, I also think what you were saying about uh, Ben treating her poorly in some regards. I think there's also something to be said for the fact that he never truly lashes out at her. No, no. Like he, you see like the bubblings up of like, again, all of the trauma coming out with like the yelling and the screaming and like the crazy impassioned behavior. But like the lashing out, like igniting the lightsaber and just reeking havoc that never happens anywhere near her he never like actively does something toxic in her direction i would just say that he's toxic in the way that he allows his ego to get in the way yes Mm -hmm. um and that's something that he's going to have to uh self-reflect on and mature just like the beast did just because like the like um uh darcy did i mean when jane said i might have entertained your proposal if you behaved in a more gentleman-like manner that slapped him in the face because in that time that was his whole identity that he was a gentleman and therefore he deserved all the luxuries all the rights of a gentleman he uh, didn't work because he was a gentleman and she he realized oh i can't just be given that term I have to earn it and I have to treat Elizabeth like a gentleman would. Um, so, and, and that's the whole idea. I love C.S. Lewis quote that a knight has to learn uh, strength as well as gentleness, meaning being a gentleman 
with everyone that he meets. And that's the code of chivalry. And you see, um, that's one of Ben's journey is to become a knight, <laughs> a Jedi <Absolutely>. knight. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. And you know, you kind of have the irony there with uh, Adam Driver being in that the, the <laughs> Don Quixote. Yeah. Um, which I was talking about my brother's musical. That's he was in Man of La Mancha. Uh, oh, him, really? So, yeah. Um, all coming full circle, everything. Um, yeah. It all comes back to musicals. It yes, does, it does. Um, yeah. So you have a lot of that. And I also, while I still have you guys, just because it enamored me so much, and I just, I need, I need you to talk about Dark Dameron. I need, I need oh. to talk about Dark Dameron and especially oh. the Beast topic. His closest analog being Stone. I probably you guys copyrights uh, copyright strike for Disney for that, and I apologize. It's um. okay. Can I just say <laughs> one more thing about Beauty and the Beast, and then Luthien, you can just take it because Dark Dameron is her specialty. Yes, it um, sure is. Um, if you have any doubt, Belle didn't know. That it was her prince until chapter three. <laughs> Just like she says mm-hmm. in Belle, she won't discover it's him till chapter three. That and means you know episode they? nine. nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go forth and conquer, my friend. <laughs> you see all the literature about Poe. You see Poe, how he acts in these films. He was supposed to die in The Force Awakens, but then, of course, Oscar did not want to die. So they're like, man, we need to give him a story arc. What? What? This is Pride and Prejudice in Space, Beauty and the Beast in Space. Who can he be? Oh, I know. He can be Gaston. He can be Mr. Wickham from Pride and Prejudice. And that's not to say he's not on his anyone own maturation journey. To make fan art. I'm interrupting you. Anyone who is listening right now who is... <laughs> half decent at any type of art needs to make Finn LeFou and Poe Gaston. Yes. Okay. Amen. Finn would be LeFou. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> you, you can't have everyone be a protagonist. You just can't. And in order to keep characters growing and evolving, you need to throw them different directions Poe is very charming and he's very arrogant. He's very egotistical. And we see that played out in so many different forms of literature. Gaston, Mr. Wickham, Hotspur. um, The list goes on and on. So his character needs somewhere to go. That's not to say that he is going to fall off the roof of the castle to his death. But... If episode nine is going to be all out war, then we need to see all out war everywhere. Absolutely. Hux, Hux is, yes, Hux is the bad for the first order. Lots of people would disagree with that because he's just been the laughing stock basically, but that's what it is. On the other side, we need someone on the other side to to balance that teeter-totter of Ben and Ray being in the middle. Who is the opposite end of the extreme? Well, we don't have Leia anymore. Who is left? Well, we have Poe. And he, there's a, there's this whole reason why we got DJ 
in The Last Jedi is saying, you blow them up one day, they blow you up the next. He's setting up, he's this, he's the primer for what we're going to see in episode nine. And for people who think, oh, Poe and Rake could still get together. They just met. They just met. And you can even tell when they're shaking hands and she gets a little giggly about it. You know, I'm, I'm Ray goes, I know. But that's the confidence. Not only is it I know who you are, obviously, Ray, and everyone's heard about you that's left alive. <laughs> um, he goes, I know. It's, it's confident. Then you get the other literature. In the comics, he's talking about, oh, oh, talking himself up about how he crashes so many planes and walks away from it. I, The guy is super arrogant. Exactly. And his heart's in the right place, though. And I his think heart is in the, the right place. thing is that, like, it's not to say that he is the villain. No, he's certainly he's, not. But he's, he's the other the end right of the thing, extreme. Exactly. He's He is fighting for the right thing but in an incredibly toxic way correct correct and how are we supposed to see this balance that is going to be ben and ray if we don't have that opposite end of the extreme we need hux in one ear and poe in the other we we need our two halves of the protagonist to come together but something has to give that that circle around them of war and of chaos. And that needs to come from both what is deemed to be the dark and what is deemed to be the light. Very, I hope I made much. sense. No, you, you, you did. You <laughs> did. And I, I, like I said, I very much like the idea that Poe is acting as somewhat of an antagonist. Yes. You even have Nerdist giving an article. Yeah. And this was right when the force awakens. Poe isn't all he's cracked up to be. I mean, there is a streak of dark in him which which lets everyone know there's a streak of dark in everyone exactly even ray yeah even ray even though she's this luke saw her in the force as this beacon that everything was attuned to but he also told leia about ben in the womb that everyone has that everyone has the streaks of darkness in them that's natural exactly and it's it's what you do with that Yes. Darkness that is what defines you. So we do believe that Poe will go to that end of the extreme, but he can certainly come back from that. He can choose to stand with Ben and be united and fight alongside him as a brother, not as someone who is against him. Now, that's not to say I don't see any of this story going in in a completely opposite direction and and Poe could die. That very much could happen. And I think that would be badass personally, but I, I don't, you just don't like Poe Dameron. I, okay. When I noticed hit it on the head, when they said Poe Dameron was the internet's boyfriend, I left the force awakens going, damn, I love Poe. I mean, I loved Kylo Ren too, but I'm like, dude, I really like him. Like, he's that Han Solo, the brash, the arrogant. He's flying around space, and I mean, he's this generation's Han Solo. I, I truly liked him, but that doesn't mean I don't want to see his character make this arc that will just be epic. 
something needs to happen to these characters, just like I believe something needs Finn to mature. Finn needs to. I I will. This is the freaking hill I'm going to die on. Finn needs to lead a stormtrooper revolt. We need to see Finn mature and be his own person and not in the shadow of Poe anymore. I love that idea a lot. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, very apropos for the name of your channel, um, I wanted to talk about, uh, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, I want to talk about lightsabers wholesale here. <laughs> um, I'm just really getting the weeds of the lightsabers because I know you guys got to go soon. Um, and I, I really want to dig into this uh, to kind of wrap things up and kind of like the symbolism there. And like I said, I feel like the first episode of this was very much like the, this is just like a very rudimentary list of the merits of Raylo. And like, this is more of like the, this is what makes those merits fascinating. And this is like taking that first episode. And now we're going to dive into all of it and really blow it up. Um, and I'm really big on the symbolism of star Wars. That has been one of my favorite things and the way that this, these movies are marketed and um, the the art style of it, it makes it very easy to have a, re- a lot of really iconic, poignant imagery. Now, Kylo Ren's lightsaber. We also we know from the lore the whole ritual and process of bleeding a cr- lightsaber crystal. Um, which for the uninitiated, who I am assuming have lives, um, <laughs> the the process of bleeding a crystal. Uh, is basically you 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 sit down in a very dark side meditative state and basically pour all of your anger and hatred and all of your dark side emotions into a lightsaber crystal and turn its color red and that's where that red color comes from. Uh, in now the inverse of that is the uh, process of purifying a crystal, which is ba- again doing the reverse, which leaves you with a white lightsaber blade. We see with Ben that he has a red lightsaber and we see in the hut scene whenever Luke attempts to kill him like a really brief look at his saber so we can tell that the lightsaber he's wielding is the same one he had as a Jedi only he's modified it now because of the cracked lightsaber crystal which either because of his con- his conflict because of he is and that, like the lightsaber was even the lightsaber crystal went, dude, you need some help. Um, which is kind of my canon is that like the crystal cracked because it was too much. Um, and that's why we have the broken, unstable, crackling, dangerous to everyone around it lightsaber that Kylo Ren has. Um, and with Ray, we have her being the next uh, person in this long line of heroes to wield this same lightsaber that Anakin, the hero with no fear, and Skywalker, the new hope, all wielded at one point. And now that that torch has been passed down to her. What do you guys want to see happen lightsaber wise for these two characters in episode nine? And I I'm referring that to Luthien. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Ben Solo purify his saber. I want I want to see that because just like you see, it's such a a language. It's so symbolic. Just like a duel itself is a, a language. We need to see his redemption. 
in in an object and what would that object be obviously it would be his saber it would be the kyber crystal within it and like we said in our our lightsaber video essay that we've already we know sabers can be purified in canon we we see that with ahsoka yes and i think that is the primer that is the catalyst for us to see ben solo purify his saber and i want him to wield a white saber i don't think he's the color that we got from him when he was in his hut when luke you know, had the fleeting moment of killing him. I don't think we're going to see him wield that color again because now he will have matured. So he needs a new color. And and this color, white, is so sim- symbolic for many reasons. But it's also the full spectrum of color. And Ray, I can see her having a couple different colors. If she wields white too, I I also... I know that they've said in interviews and 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 mar- for marketing purposes that the le- legacy saber is now hers. Well, I agree with that up to a point. The legacy saber is hers, but if she is half of this story, then yes, that makes sense. Um, but I think she needs a color all her own. I think she, you know, we got a staff. St- staff for a reason and then if you you're modeling ben and ray off of revan and bastila well bastila sean had a staff saber yes thank you and it was yellow (laughs) it was yellow thank you all right let's go (laughs) yellow is also a very significant color i said that i'm sorry i interrupted i had to create myself okay it's all right (laughs) you can hear the your voice. Um, <laughs> so you have you have all of this symbolism practically yelling at you that this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of blowing my own mind, even though I've I've thought about it constantly. But Ray needs something that's truly unique in her own. And I, I truly believe she would not have been given a staff if she wasn't going to have a staff saber, at least sometime down the line. Um, but Ben will purify his saber, and whether he does that by himself or, or Ray is helping him do this, that, that saber needs to be cleansed, just like he does. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. My personal take, and I, 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 I like discussing this aspect with other people, and I, I know you guys can appreciate like the nitty gritty of like the, the way that a lightsaber is like the like a physical embodiment of that person yes. and who they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. What I really want to see is that cross guard lightsaber, that very ugly, very scary weapon that is specific to Kylo Ren. What? <laughs> I like. Ugly in a cool way. It's it's like it it's gnarly looking. It's awesome. like badass That's ugly. It. Like oh, that is exactly. ugly. Yeah. No, yeah. ugly in a in like. No, that. let him finish, Emrys. I know where he's I'm going. Sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I know where he's going. You're okay. You're okay. <sighs> but 
like, like I said, I love that light. I own the Black Series one. Like, I love that terrifying lightsaber. But a like the really like sweaty mechanics of like the the fact that the crystal is cracked. I don't know if projecting the force energy into it to purify it, the crystal would survive. And but I here's here's think- the thing: Why did we see that relic necklace hanging in Luke's hut for like a split moment? That would be cool too. I think it's I very think it's cool it's, it's and Ahsoka basically healed those crystals from the dark side Inquisitor. You're absolutely right. I'm saying with this specific cracked crack kyber crystal that's instead of Kylo Ren's lightsaber, and the fact that I think that 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 amazing moment. Again, this is all fictional mechanics. They could change whatever rules. They <laughs> oh my god! Exactly, like him so and like, Ray together could be literally healing this crystal to the point where it's not cracked anymore. Exactly, and th- that would be awesome as well. And I'd love to see that yes. happen. You know, that would mm-hmm. be really cool. I don't think necessarily your be really cool. My idea is the crossguard saber and the way that it reflects the the brokenness, the darkness, the unstable Kylo Ren is that when the Kylo Ren persona is finally dead, that lightsaber is destroyed with that. And I like that. No I like that theory too. I, any, I really do. And then it has, no longer has any use for him because that is no longer who he is. And that's no longer who he chooses to be. In that and moment, I, he calls the legacy saber to him and it goes exactly. to him. I also believe that that's something that's going to happen where you see he can't, he says flat out that belongs to me, very possessive. It doesn't go to him, it goes to Ray. In The Last Jedi, he's calling it, Ray's calling it at the same time. It doesn't know who to go to. It's completely, literally gets torn. Exactly. In nine now, it's going to finish that journey and he's going to call it, whether it's in battle, he needs something, Ray is down, he needs the saber, his is gone, it's destroyed, like the red saber is destroyed, whatever, maybe he doesn't purify it, fine. But he will wield a saber and it's going to be the legacy saber because this is his legacy. Exactly. What is yes. a legacy? Um, and I'll come back uh, and see some Hamilton in there. Um, <laughs> yes. but there was a blip in the audio and I almost missed it and then you and then I heard the and I'm like oh Hamilton <laughs> <laughs> playing seeds in a garden you never get to see um, but that's the cool thing is I want to see him use that because like you said it's it's the symbol of the Skywalker lineage yes. it also has a deeper meaning with Rey where it's presumed okay if he's using the legacy saber that means Rey has repaired it Yes. Yeah. So Ray, in being this integral part of Ben Solo's redemption, has helped to heal this family, and that lightsaber is that most iconic symbol of that family. Yes. And that's why I think, like, to repair the lightsaber, give it back to Ben, and like, I, like I said, with the whole crack crystal thing, that that crystal was split. Like you, like again, fictional mechanics; they can do anything they want with it, but. In my mind, it's easier to like fuse something back together than f- than something that's already been fractured. Like it's still whole, but it's cracking open. Can I can I say something here? And this yes, is absolutely. just a impromptu thought that I have. It's not fully thought out, so it might be completely stupid. And the only reason I'm going to say it is I I would really love to hear your reaction and and Luthien's reaction to this, but. 
you know, how we were talking about how the person, when they use the force, it's their mind, spirit, and soul, right? Um, If that crystal, that cracked crystal is a reflection of the cracked soul of Kylo Ren, if Ray can heal the broken Kylo Ren, can she not use the force to heal the broken, cracked crystal? Well, I'm thinking now that you said that, that once he is healed and he makes that final step out of the tomb and he is resurrect- yeah, resurrected, right. then that crystal will automatically heal, be healed. Yes. And yes. that's and that's when the color will turn because it's been purified because Ben Solo has been cleansed and he has been reborn. So it's a baptism. Yes. So we'll, we'll go from resurrection to, to baptism. Yes. Then. And the crystal itself will change without anyone trying to use the force to try to heal it. Okay, 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 sorry. I I do like that a lot, and it's a really cool concept and a really cool idea. And I don't don't mean to be contrarian, but just like me being like, you know, like super sweaty and in lore. (laughs) Is it like... It's, it's just again, rest in peace, John Schnapp. I use that term. Yeah, it's not a nerd. But the the fact that like the process of purifying the crystal is like its own process that is very integral to the to that happening. I, I feel like the saber just purifying itself on upon redemption. Yeah, just just wouldn't work, and that's why right. I like the idea of him getting him getting this symbol of the family repaired would be so incredibly poignant, so incredibly. Beautiful. I also do want Ray to have a saber staff. I, I, I do too. Oh, right. And I'd love to see her just color scene yet in village. I, like, I either want her, I know we saw Luke with a green saber in the flashback, but like actually either see a green saber or something yellow or orange or whatever. I just want to see her with a non blue colored saber. Yes. Um, I agree. But I really do think it would be really beautiful for Kylo to get to or Ben to get to wield that lightsaber. Like you said, that you know, that lightsaber it belongs to me. Mm-hmm. You have that all you have that rhyme kind of finish itself up. And like I said, the idea that she is played an integral part of healing that family and that great symbol of the family being that lightsaber. Um because like I said, I think once the the idea that the light that the the the, the Kylo Ren lightsaber disapparating and being done for mean is, is like a symbol of like the death of Kylo Ren as an individual. And I I thought it was interesting what you said about him no longer using the blue blade. And th- th- this is my retort to that. And there are obviously exceptions to this rule, but you have like the stereotypical. Jedi Guardians use blue, Jedi Consuls yes. use green, mm-hmm. your Sentinels are yellow and orange, stuff like that. And again, there are, there are exceptions to all of those rules, you know, whatever. However, stereotypically, a Jedi Knight Guardian wields a blue lightsaber. Yes, you're right. That you, that you, you facilitate the reason and the in-lore and in-universe explanation to the cross guard lightsaber as being the damaged lightsaber. But now that he's back on the light side and there's no longer a need for that lightsaber to be like profoundly damaged, he wields the color of like the traditional knight. Um, 
in universe, like not like the knight to us with like the cross guard sword and the suit of armor, but like a Jedi knight in our minds is that brilliant blue sapphire blade. Um, and that's why I would really very much like to see that be. I think it's crazy because just like we discussed in our live chats, there are so many different possibilities that I'm, I'm almost to the point where I just can't wait to see this, this film and what, whether it's blue or white or raises yellow or blue or green. I mean, for green. That's it, that's out because Lexi has a green lightsaber, so we're we're pulling for her. <laughs> it's we're like, oh, her do we want a boy or a girl? Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me. The just, don't we just want it, Don't we just want it to be healthy? I mean, yeah, I, just, <laughs> I just want it to be behavior staff. I don't care about what color. Yeah. I just want it to be a staff. Yeah, just as long <laughs> as it's a staff, let it be whatever color. You know. But it's a really beautiful, inclusive message there at the end. You know? <laughs> yes. um, I must be an SJW show. Yes, we all do. We all do. That's a, that's what we hear. That's what we do here. Do that discussion. We, yeah. uh, we take the SJW to the max. Um, yep. Uh, it's funny because, like, it, you know, mildly political here for a second. I something I'm really proud of with this podcast network that I'm a part of is. By and large, most of the people in it are fairly conservative. However, there is nothing but love for the newer Star Wars content and yes. an understanding of like how important it is for characters like Rey and Rose Tico and Sabine Wren and Kira and all of these other characters and that, that they're in Finn. That there is there is something bigger than just this actor or actress is whatever race or ethnicity or whatever gender or whatever that there is something more there that is more important than just what they are and what that means yeah um, and it's something i'm very proud of with Dubak. it's something that i i i cannot sing the praises of tj and chad and matt and tim and connor everybody 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 um that despite belonging to ideologies that one would assume that they would not be as receptive to that they're anything but and it just makes me so happy to just like prove that stigma wrong yes that oh my they, gosh they, yes. they, they get it they understand that that is an important thing yeah um, which makes me very 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 happy this is completely unrelated but it kind of came up and i just wanted to sing their praises while i had the opportunity to do so mm, um, amen but yeah um i think for now i think that's going to be it for reload part two um I very much want to have you guys back on at least once pre episode nine. Um, totally. Yeah. I, what I kind of want to do and I didn't, I didn't run this by TJ, but I was thinking about it was kind of doing like, cause we're, we're definitely going to be doing a trailer breakdown once we get, you know, actual material to kind of uh, gnaw on for a little bit. Gnaw is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, everyone is going to be raking through that with a fine tooth comb to the oh, point yeah. where we're just going to be gnawing on the remains. This was pre okay. Pre me have like by about five years of me having a podcast, I was so I consumed every little bit of anything leading up to the Force Awakens oh, and analyzed yes. every trailer, every promotional mm -hmm. anything. And by the time it came out, we were all sitting at the lunch table one day. 
we were kind of like, what do you think was going to happen? This is like the week of the movie coming out. Like, who, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? And like, everyone's kind of giving their predictions. And it comes to me. And I kid you not, I predicted the entirety of The Force Awakens at the table. Like, beginning to end, predicted the entire thing I was wrong about was that I thought the Resistance space was going to be on Kashyyyk. <laughs> yeah, you were wrong about that. Yeah, I, I made a very specific <laughs> prediction because they mentioned Chewie and Han like liberating Kashyyyk in one of the Aftermath books, mm-hmm. and I thought it would tie in in that way. But the rest, I every the whole movie, the whole movie. One of my best friends, a gentleman by the name of Levi Baum, he looked me in the eye and he said, "He, he said if even half of that happens, I owe you fifteen dollars." And we came into school the next day and we did it in a very nonchalant way so that our friends who hadn't seen the movie yet wouldn't notice what happened. But he just like slid me like fifteen bucks and I was like, "I told you so." <laughs> Did you predict I, any of the Last Jedi? I was like, yes, I predicted a lot of it. And I can't, the one thing I came super close on that I was like so angry about, I predicted this is in stone. Like I will send the Instagram post and I put it on Instagram before the movie came out. I predicted that they would destroy the supremacy by Leia making the jump to light speed and the Radis through it. So you predict that Raylo is Endgame in episode nine? Yes. <laughs> Well, hold on. Okay, hold on. Thank you so much for having us on, Jared. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I will die on that hill. I went. Yeah. Steel Saunders did his like prediction cast, and I called in and said the movie is going to end with Han or uh, Han with Ben and Ray flying the Falcon together. Yeah. Like I like I put my money down. Yeah. Like, I was yep. ride or die for ride or die. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're, you're gonna hear. Like I said, I was like with a lot of this. Luke won't die. Obviously, General Leia will die in the third act, and not by her son's hand. Obviously, I said we will have a flirtation with the dark side, but we will not turn. Yeah, Kylo Ren will begin to turn back to the light. Okay, get ready for this one. He and Ray will tag team against the Praetorian guards and Snoke when he saves her from the Supreme Leader. I was proud of that one. I said, Snoke is an ancient Sith, powers akin to Darth Nihilus. I was wrong about that. Um, Luke will use his old saber, but it may appear to have a white or red blade, I think, but I really hope it's going to be green. And then I said, uh, Luke will not turn to the dark side, but he will kind of walk the line. Again, I was kind of wrong about that. And I explained like, in the caption or comments or whatever that I thought Leia was going to be in the Radis and fly it through the supremacy. And I was so happy that I predicted that very specific thing. Yeah. Along with the throne room. Like I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> not expecting that to happen. Like that was my pie in the sky one. That was my, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I really, this is, this is just me wishful. Th- no, no. Like, like I said, and I think I said this in the original version of this, Alexis and I went in like full Ray and Kylo Ren cosplay we're there she's holding her porg and we're like we're getting we're watching the movie and like it's like it's like he's walking in like the oh you know i can see it is mine i don't be straight like the lightsaber starts to turn and i had like a death grip on her arm and i'm like this isn't happening right now i'm like this is not the movie i watch right through snoke and i'm like 
like we're like shaking each other, <laughs> watching this. Oh my god! Like you know, the two biggest Raylos that we know, we're watching this happen right now, dressed as these characters. Holy Lord! Holy! Oh my! Go to hold my beer! Like just just shaking in each other's arms, <laughs> just losing our minds, it's just like looking back at each other. Like you're seeing this too, right? Like we're not just having like a like a hallucination of what's happening in the movie. But yeah, I was I'm really proud of the fact that I predicted things. So can you read our palms and like tell us our futures? Like I think you just have this really good future as a seer. <laughs> and uh I mean Ray and Kylo will battle the Praetorian car. It just Ooh, uh oh. Hello. I'm okay, here. Now I'm what? sorry. My, oh, my, my internet went out for like a hot second there and I lost you guys. I apologize. Oh. Um, um, you're no a wizard. <laughs> That's the, I mean, this is pure sorcery. He's a seer. The, yeah, there's, he's a seer. This is the only way I can explain that. Seer Use your wand, Harry. Yeah, the power, the power, <laughs> the, the force is my ally and a powerful yeah. ally it is. Um, yeah, and I, I want to see, now that I have like an actual public platform, like I really want to take a stab with episode nine and like publicly be like, this is what's going to happen and see if I'm right about any of it again. And You're like, going to have to was... just say spoilers before everything because. Yes. Yes. <laughs> spoilers. Uh, yeah. Spoilers. Maybe spoilers. But like I was saying, I want to do like a normal trailer breakdown and then like, I want to like get you guys on the horn or maybe some other like Raylos and be like, okay, now let's talk about what mattered in the trailer and just be like, okay. So ben and Ray. Ready. Yeah, in Ben and Ray. Let's talk about the Okay, that that was cool. Ooh, Poe and the Fowl, Chewy, yay. Okay, the grown-ups are talking now. Raylo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say goodnight, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> yeah. I just do it that way. Um but yeah, thank you guys so much for coming back on. I just realized that I didn't introduce myself because I keep forgetting this is going on your channel. Um everyone, this is Jared. <laughs> I keep forgetting that this is like going into your thing as well. And then I did like introduce myself the same way you guys did. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Jared Bachman Stubbs, Jared, the dark Jedi. Um, I am the host of both the do back discussion pod co-host of the do back discussion podcast. And I also host the hall of heroes podcast. Uh, we also get a show called Bantha Babble off the ground very soon. Rebooting that one. Uh, you can come check us out. We're on uh, Spotify and iTunes and uh, Google Play. Uh, check us out on all like the major podcasting platforms and whatnot. Uh, cover Star Wars. Love all things Star Wars and geekdom. Um, but uh, we will be linking his stuff in the yes. description below. Yes, thank you very much. I am an ardent sequel defender, and uh, the last time we recorded this, I can't remember if it was. Emerus or Luthien, who I almost got into a little bit of an argument because one of you said that The Last Jedi is not a perfect movie, which I will fight to the death on behalf of because... I'm Man, I don't know who said that. Too bad we can't <laughs> listen back because the... Oh, yeah, yeah well, you guys have was interrupted. Yeah, well, you guys, you guys have like... Half I have the evidence. <laughs> you have the evidence of whoever said the naughty words while they were talking to the <laughs> Last Jedi fanboy over here. Um, but yeah, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for helping to spread do back uh, to your guys's audience. It, it means the world to have you guys uh, help um, give us a little bit louder of a voice. And it was an absolute pleasure having you guys on. 
I look forward to having you guys on again at some point. Like I said, I want to do like a Raylo trailer breakdown, and I want to do a Raylo reaction to episode nine as well. It's just going to be stunned silence. I just have it right now. Stunned silence. Um, and then epic squealing and fangirling. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the loudest squealing will be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I famously came out of The Last Jedi and I was I was just like, I don't, I was like, I don't know what happened in that movie after the throne room. We're going to, the ep- episode the, the, nine is going to create its own like seismic energy. It's going to be, be able to re- be read on a Richter scale. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, that was the thing. Like, I walked out of the movie, and like, I know Alexis was super emotional with everything that happened with Luke, but I looked at her. I'm like, my brain is still in the throne room. Like, nothing happened in that movie after the throne room, and it yep. wasn't the se- until the second time I saw it when everything after that registered with me. Like when they have that big wide shot of the island on Octo, right before Luke becomes one with the Force, I was just like, like it was just the wide shot of the island, and I immediately started sobbing because everything caught up to me at that point. Mm. I was like, no, 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 no. And I'm like shoulder shaking, crying. And my brother, who I had not seen it with yet, looks over at me, just crying at an image of an island. And he just goes, are you all? It is like a really dramatic head turn to the screen. He goes, are you? Oh, no. <laughs> and like, just and he's like watching with his jaw slacked open. And like Alexis and I are like sobbing, like holding each other. Like, no, I wasn't ready for this. Why didn't I come see this movie another time? Um. You have to. You just have yeah. to because the first the first time you're just theaters. I'm not gobsmacked. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. Thank you guys again so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, thank and you, I thank you, thank you. To have you guys on again. Um, Can we still you away for a musical podcast channel? Uh huh. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, you 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 just give me that ring and I will be on that show. And then I'll steal you again for a Batman cast. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, oh my no, god, I was waiting for that. I would I, <laughs> that oh I'm putting away laundry. I'm putting away laundry and all I hear is Yes, and Kylo Ren. Very similar to Batman. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Look at him. <laughs> Oh, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. I was like, yep, yep, yep. These guys, this is it. This is it. Chief called. He said, this is it. We weren't I legit before, but we were legit then. You, Batman, you were legit, but you yep. like very specifically accidentally pandered to me. <laughs> and like yep. won me over in that one sentence of like, yes. Kyle Ren, not unlike Batman. What? You know. Uh, but yeah, I'll let you guys uh, go now. And um, yeah, and this is not going to be on your end because current issues. However, TJ, hit the tape. Join the dark sound, girls. You're not happy in that Jedi world I can show you more Like how to choke out people with the force Follow me We'll rule together and find ourselves Making stars Just let the past die and free
Tell me something, Joy. Is Carlos someone I should avoid? Or could he be turned? His redemption, something to be earned. I've been trained. Out here on Octo, I find myself looking. of love.